everybody. Uh, this is Brendan Gann, and I'm here with my buddy Josh Cohen. Brendan, what do you do? Uh, I'm the founder of Epic Signal. We're a social agency owned by Mechanism, which is a creative agency. We do a lot of influencer marketing and social media on behalf of brands. What about you, Josh? I co-founded Two Filter, which is like a variety or Hollywood Reporter, except instead of traditional film and television, we focus on online video and digital media, basically covering the intersection of online video entertainment and business. That includes a lot about influencers, a lot about YouTube, a lot about the stars uh, on YouTube, a lot about all the businesses and infrastructure that has developed in the past several years to support all of that ecosystem as well. And we started the Streamy Awards. The Streamy Awards is like a Golden Globes, except honoring excellence in online video, digital media, and influencers. And we produced that in partnership with Dick Clark Productions. Wow, that was very in-depth. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Of course, Brandon, <laughs> no problem. So uh, today we are going through the July 26th um, newsletter of the Influence Weekly and providing some color commentary. So we're going to start with the uh, first story, Hopper HQ's 2019 Instagram wish list. Um, so basically they ran their third year of the Instagram uh, rich list saying basically how much different Instagram stars could charge. Um, and number one on that list was Kylie Jenner. And they said that she could charge 1.26, uh, well, sorry, 1.2 million a post basically. Um, now I have major issues with like lists like these. To me, it seems like clickbait. I'm sure Kylie Jenner could charge that. Um, there's probably some somebody, some brand out there that would be willing to pay that. But I don't necessarily buy into that. Like, I think these give the perception that it's as simple as this kind of marketplace. You can go in and I can go and pay The Rock $880,000 to do a post. I think The Rock, Beyonce, you know, Taylor Swift, they're much smarter than just like doing a pay to play. Maybe I could be wrong when you're talking about that that caliber of celebrity, but um, just in working with kind of more traditional, sorry, more digital influencers, I would say they're incredibly skeptical about who they end up working with and picky. And uh, this just feels like a clickbait title to me. But what do you think, Josh? It's always part of a bigger brand deal too, generally, yeah. right? Like I highly doubt a brand's going to come in and, pay this type of dough for a one-off Instagram post. It's normally part of a larger campaign that's undoubtedly multi-platform. And maybe this is kind of what's earmarked for Instagram, or this is how this was somehow derived from an overall budget figure. Not quite sure. But yeah, this connotes the idea that Instagram's some type of marketplace where you can just buy one-off posts for the from the influencers and that doesn't seem to be really the case yeah i think that's a great point like the rock for example he's at this point synonymous with under armor under armor is not being like oh he did a post today here's another eight hundred eighty thousand dollars i'm sure he's got this whatever i'm totally ballparking this but you know 10 million dollars a year endorsement deal and as part of that, if he's working out, he's wearing Under Armour clothing. It's not like a specific line item per se. Um, so, Right, but what I do think could be a good opportunity for a brand here is if they do work with Carly, Kylie Jenner or The Rock or someone else, 
or not even any of these people, but if they do pay an exorbitant amount for an Instagram post, I think then they should market that. It's kind of like a Super Bowl ad. Mm. I think that could be a fun play on all of this, where you do the initial post with one of these stars for a huge dollar value, and then you promote the fact that you did the, one of these posts with these stars for a huge dollar dollar value. Now, in your mind, is Kylie Jenner worth $1.2 million? I have no idea what her ROI is, but potentially. And my ingenious idea where some brand comes in and then pays Kylie $1.2 million for an Instagram post and then markets that they paid Kylie $1.2 million for an Instagram post in a smart way, maybe. The extra earned media. Yeah. Cool. Do we want to talk about that anymore? I'm good. All right, cool, me too. Actually, wait, I'll add one other thing. I think in these, you know, and we were kind of talking about it earlier, looking at these deals through the lens of a very specific transaction, like, oh, I'm just doing an Instagram post. post. Overall, that's stupid. Um, when you layer in these guys as part of like a larger deal, endorsement style contracts, you're promoting them and their content with paid. Um, it the, the efficacy, it just like improves dramatically. And so, you know, influencers promoting um, brands and then running that content in ads is extremely effective. Putting all your 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 dollars into one bucket of a single post is, is silly. Um, and so, yeah, thinking about it as part of a larger integrated campaign is really uh, a much more thoughtful and effective strategy in, in my experience. So. Um, moving on, Famous Birthdays is the Wikipedia for Gen Z. There was a big story on uh, famousbirthdays.com in the Atlantic and how the site, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's literally a Wikipedia for Famous Birthdays. Um, and uh, they talk a bit about how the site has had a bit of a, a glow up as a result of digital influencers and how, um, you know, by tracking uh, digital stars and influencers, um, they've just managed to grow exponentially. Uh, any thoughts here, Josh? Yeah, one, I'm not sure if you use the term glow up correctly. That You're probably correct. I'm probably using it wrong. And two, um, I love Famous Birthdays. At Tube Filter, we've written a few articles about Famous Birthdays and interviewed its co-founder, Evan Britton. Uh, he's a great guy, seemingly very nice individual, with, with uh, who, like a lot of us, kind of stumbled his way into a um, big business. And I think it's kind of emblematic of the state we're in and the, 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 the state of this industry we're in and where this, um, the, the mass appeal of these creators, like, sorry, Famous Birthdays success and the amount of page views they get per month is a good kind of bellwether for the state of the influencer industry and the creator community because it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing as there's becomes a greater and greater appetite for all of these digital native content creators where although they're producing the the digital content creators themselves are producing a ton of content and putting out a ton of information about themselves, 
there are very few kind of places where you can see a little bit of aggregated info and gain at least a little bit of kind of superficial insight into who these creators are and what they do. And I think it's super interesting. Like what's always fascinating to me is the way into this was through the birthdays. Like it's not, I think that's, that's a really interesting hook that plays on something I think innate to humans. We all like knowing people's birthdays are. I don't know why, but it's interesting for us. And so kind of the conduit into getting more information about these YouTube stars was through birthdays, I think is just another interesting kind of like caveat to all of this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's also like a bit of just like, um, I think it reinforces what really is popular, at least online. Because in just looking at it right now, we're looking at the most popular section. There's only two traditional stars um, in the, or, well, three in the top 10. The rest are all digital stars. And I think it's just representative of, you know, how powerful this, you know, subculture of YouTube stars and Instagram stars has become pop culture. And, and you know, you could walk down the street and your average show probably would not know who, you know, Annie LeBlanc is, but she's the second most popular person on this page, you know, ahead of Justin Bieber. <laughs> Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's an interesting, um, kind of indication of how culture is changing so dramatically. Yeah, totally. And I think what's also interesting about famous birthdays is they, they cast a pretty wide net in who's on the site. So they're generally up on top of it more so than others in terms of the talent they have, especially from emerging platforms like TikTok or new up-and-coming Instagram stars, or whatever else. But you can usually find and surface some new interesting talent there that you may have never heard of before. Josh Cohen is not on the site, just in case you were wondering. Correct. Let's let's see if I'm on here. Because they go pretty obscure. I'm also not on the site. So (laughs) there you go. Um, I, think, I think that's a good indication that Famous Birthday is quality control. I, I think that's probably true. Um, all right. Uh, next story. Uh, Twitch dominates gamer live streams. We all know that. But the biggest stars are the biggest winners. I think this is something that's just pretty much consistent with uh, just about every platform. So it's, you know, that 80-20 rule. The, the top 20% garner 80% of the, the results, the profit. And it makes sense, you know, uh, a lot of people in this space can name Ninja. Um, and uh, I'm guessing most people uh, could not name any other major Twitch star. And um, you know, people want to know the, the handful of top folks and are less interested in the long tail. And I bet as Twitch grows and becomes a more mature platform, that um, you know, micro influencers on it will become more and more relevant, but they're not going to be capturing the same amount of dollars. It becomes a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. Like you go to uh, you know Twitch, it's always like here are the top streamers, and because the top streamers are there, they get more exposure and they capture new people faster. 
and just kind of creates a snowball effect more and more where they grow because they're already big and because they're already big they're going to grow more <coughs> yeah twitch's kind of like trending page like that changes i think a lot less so than on other platforms so yeah. it's interesting it has has a little bit more of that self-fulfilling prophecy you're talking about and perhaps a little a little bit less of an ability to surface new creators and new talent although i don't know if other platforms necessarily have a great way of doing that either i mean youtube's trending page is trying to do a little bit of that that more but hasn't quite figured out the right balance yet um but but yeah i think the this is obviously the case like you said in any other platform and then really any other industry i think it's obvious that twitch's biggest stars are taking home the lion's share of the viewership time and the lion's share of the profits um i think what's what's interesting is we just had the Fortnite world cup this past weekend that I think is going to be an interesting way to surface new talent in the future or already and perhaps kind of shake up that self-fulfilling prophecy that you were just talking about. Mm. Wait, why, why do you think it's shake just up? Just because people that you didn't necessarily know about beforehand could place or perform really mm. well. And anything can happen in these tournament games. So big people like... Ninja didn't win. Tifu didn't win. People that I think casual gaming enthusiasts may or may not have ever heard of took home a lot of cash this weekend from the prizes that they won. And so that's going to be, it's going to be interesting how that impacts their numbers on the platform and what kind of as these t tournaments get greater and greater exposure in mainstream media, how, what material impact they have on kind of gamers day-to-day -day streamings yeah. well it is interesting because like while someone like ninja is obviously incredibly talented i don't think you could point to his success because like his success is not because he's the best gamer necessarily his success is because it's like he's got this venn diagram of skills where he's good enough that people want to watch him uh but he's also a personality that is engaging and it's like those two combined is is ultimately what's needed so if somebody's just the most talented gamer if they're boring to watch it doesn't matter it's not going to you know they might crush it in a tournament but it's not going to necessarily make them popular do you think that'll change as the industry keeps leveling up in terms of its professionalism i think it'll actually change in the sense that uh your quality of like like how great a gamer you are will become less relevant because i think with twitch we're already seeing like they're really diversifying like non-gamers are getting into this space more and more and more and like i don't see any signs of that slowing down like people are doing cooking shows um you know that's about as big as you you know departures you can get from uh twitch and 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 you know as we've seen with YouTube, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're the best cook. It's it's are you the best personality? Can you tell a story? Can you do you know how to cultivate a community? And I think um, 
that that's going to be kind of the deciding factor in success uh, on Twitch um, in in the long run. So for non-gaming Twitch content, I agree with that. But for gaming content, why isn't it like another professional sport? So people like LeBron James, not because he has the best attitude, mm -hmm. even people like criticize his attitude. Mm -hmm. But people love LeBron James because he's the best basketball player in the world. Or people love Steph Curry because he's one of the best basketball players mm -hmm. in the world. I don't think people are crazy about their personalities. They may or may not, but that's mm -hmm. less of a factor than other things. So I agree with you with like Ninja, it's some of both. People are entertained by his streams and really like him. And he also is very good. And there's people like Dr. Lupo and others that even have a persona when they stream and are in character. But I'm wondering as the prize pools for these tournaments get bigger and bigger and as the level of professionalism continues to increase if it's going to be more just about the actual gameplay and that fans are going to be more drawn towards the people that are the best yeah i i think for for twitch specifically i think gameplay will not be the deciding factor i think it's gonna be about personality because like for example if there were like cameras on every single player in the nba there could be somebody who sits on the bench 95% of the time and he's he's fucking hilarious and he's got great commentary. People would watch him. He might not be like the best per se, but he could build an audience um, that might have a shot at competing with LeBron. Yeah, I guess the example would be the 76ers, Joel Embiid, where he has a great Twitter presence and online personality. I haven't followed basketball since the 1800s. But I know who he is. The process. Exactly. <laughs> this is the one sports <laughs> thing I know. Right. People, so I think it's a testament to exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess you're right. That's the counterpoint to my argument is that yeah. um, give crew give an audience greater access to some of these players and the players that happen to be entertaining in other ways will get an audience. Yeah. Well, and I can give a practical like there's an analogous situation on YouTube right now. Like there are in the, over the last like couple of years, there have been a wave of like pro surfers. Surfing is probably the one sport that I remotely follow from a professional sense. There have been pro surfers who have been building up um, YouTube uh, followings, and um, it's not, uh, with the exception of Jamie O'Brien, who's got a show with Red Bull. Um, the guys with the biggest followings are not the best, like. There's a, you know, the guys with the biggest followings are the ones that know YouTube, they know the community aspects, they're funny, they've got a personality, they're in, they're they're showing up every single day, they're investing in, in YouTube as a platform, and uh, that's how they're, they're generating success. And yeah, they're totally like way better than your average Joe Surfer, um, but they would never compete on the world tour necessarily. But... Who knows? I could be wrong in, in gaming. It might be totally different. And, you know, we can circle back on this in a year if Andrew isn't uh, hating everything we're saying right now. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe we'll be on famous birthdays by then. Yeah, yeah, that'll be our goal. Um, let's see. We were going to talk about why you're losing Instagram followers and how to fix it. Um, you know, the synopsis is Instagram's cracking down on bots awesome and then it's also just become way more competitive it is a much more competitive environment than it was i mean <clears throat> there's not just a thousand girls posting booty pics there are 
hundreds of thousands. And so that's a lot of competition. Sorry, that's a gross generalization, but I think it's a great example. Like you see the this trend um, within the space of the, across every single vertical, people trying to have a go at like becoming an influencer. And you just can't generate the same kind of earned media you used to be able to. So agreed, but aren't there more people on Instagram than ever and more people spending more time on Instagram than ever? So isn't there more of an audience to go around those increased number of potential influencers and creators? Yeah, but I would imagine that the amount of content must be outpacing that. If we're seeing, because otherwise it, they would probably, it would either stay constant or increase, you know? I just wonder if, with all of these platforms, if that's happening and there are just so many users mm. now and so many influencers now, you just can't keep track of it anymore. Uh, yeah, I 100% think that's the case. Like, like, if you're there early, you can crush it. Right, but I'm wondering if there are channels or Instagram accounts now that are easily cracking mm. seven-figure follower accounts and we just don't know who they are. Gotcha. And we're assuming that these things can't happen almost instantaneously anymore or in the same kind of finite period of time as they could a few years ago, but they're happening. It just is less of an event when it does happen. Mm -hmm. Like I see this on YouTube a lot where I get asked the question, well, isn't it so hard to make a living on YouTube now? There's uh, so much competition ad rates are whatever they are, demonetization, etc. Mm -hmm. And I say, yes, it is, but generally you're just hearing from the people that have been affected adversely. And also, there's way more of an audience now than there ever was, was before. Mm -hmm. More people are spending more hours of the day on YouTube um, than they ever have, and the number just continues to increase. And there are creators all the time that are gaining followers and amassing new highs and being able to exit their full-time jobs to pursue this mm -hmm. career as a creator, uh, we just don't hear about it as, as much because it's, le it's less of an event. Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have to go more and more and more in niche. And, like, there are still niches to, f to fill, but it's not like, you know, if somebody gets on the platform because they're the first gamer or whatever, they rocket to tens or hundreds of thousands of followers. Right. And there are outliers, though, too. Like, at TubeFilter, we covered this van life YouTuber, Janelle, who posted two videos and over the course of three weeks got over 1.3 million subscribers. And so I think that... That's an outlier, obviously. That's never happened before. Mm -hmm. I don't think literally. But that goes to show you there's just a huge audience there mm -hmm. where the ability to do that simply wouldn't exist several years ago because there wouldn't be enough people consuming the content in order to kind of create that massive growth so quickly. I can tell you from a brand standpoint, um, we just did a campaign and uh, it was a social campaign, and we put a portion of the dollars into doing a TikTok activation. And the TikTok, the the TikTok activation um, to date, well, as of yesterday, generated half a billion views, which is 
absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like that anywhere. And I think it's because we were early enough in TikTok where um, you know brands weren't playing much. There, there was a big audience. Um, but it's more of like that stage where a lot of people are hearing about TikTok and so they're checking it out. And there's just, there's, there's way more, there's a glut of people viewing and not a glut of content yet. And so you, you, you kind of like, you don't need to be as precise in the content creation to have an impact. You kind of be, get in, if you have something that is, you know, relevant, um, it, it, it can get traction much, much easier than, you know, if we'd have done the exact same thing on Instagram. I can buy that from a brand perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with brands, it's it's. I think it's much harder in general, um, and I think you have a much easier shot, like building an audience if you're early, because also you're way more credible. You're not copying, like you aren't perceived as kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Um, yeah, anything more to add to this on this front? No, I think we're good. Cool. Uh, let's see, anything to cover on Vic, VidCon 2019 activations? I mean, there were a lot of great ones. Um, you know, obviously everything seemed to be built specifically to be videoed and posted to social and Instagram. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting about VidCon and the activations there is that every year, they get better and better every year. And they kind of up the level of production every year, all the participants on the mm-hmm. floor. And what it, it's made it so like several years ago, if you went to VidCon on the show floor, you could kind of get through the show floor in a couple hours and feel like mm-hmm. you experienced the totality of it. Now, I feel like if I was a 14 year old or not, mm-hmm. I could go to the show floor for the whole time I'm there, at least a day or two, and feel like I got a lot out of the experience or at least had a good time. Yeah. It's interesting. I think the one big theme in like looking at this, nostalgia was really big. Like kind of like that 90s, 90s vibe, 90s nostalgia was huge. Do you think that's because of the Viacom influence? Mm. I think it's probably a combination of that. I mean, Nickelodeon, you know, for sure with like Good Burger and um, a lot of those older like Nickelodeon shows, but also I think it's just the era we're in. A lot of that stuff is kind of having a, a bit of a comeback. Yeah, there's Blues Clues stuff, all that. What else do we have here? Um, yeah, just a ton of. Kind of like 90s nostalgia in general. Yeah. I think that's part of it that it's cool. That just like in Hollywood, people are creating sequels. Yeah. Instead of original IP. Also, an event like this, people really want to, I think they really want to do something that they know will resonate with fans. Yeah. And on a like practical scale or practical level, no one's going to get fired for suggesting to do an iteration of something that's already successful. That's that's a great point. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I 
think that about covers it. Um, thanks for listening to Influence Weekly. Um, if you guys want to check out uh, Epic Signal's work, you can go to epicsignal.com, E-P-I-C-S-I-G-N-A-L. Um, and this is Brendan Gann, and you've got Josh. Josh, you want to say anything? Yeah, thanks for listening. If you liked or didn't like any of what you heard, you can find out more information and uh, see us write about this stuff every day at TubeFilter. That's T-U-B-E-F-I-L-T-E-R.com. And check out our award show, the Streamy Awards, at streamys.org, streamys.org. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody.